I would say I'm a painter of the moment. I think we all are painters of the moment. We are creators of the moment. I think there are others who are historically inventive, but that's not this rose. I'm Lindsay Linton Buck, and you're listening to Women in Wyoming, where I profile inspiring and influential women around the state and learn about their lives, journeys, and how they got to where they are today. This time, a story about overcoming life's boulders to find your voice and live out loud. The artist Nelgi overcame abuse and alcoholism to realize her strength as an abstract expressionist painter, author, and former proprietor of the historic Sheridan Inn, which she saved from being destroyed. Calling Wyoming home for over 50 years now, Nelgi and I talk about being your own hero, her memoir, and her 10 by 30 foot canvases. From Banner, Wyoming, here's Nelgi. Well, color. We'll start with color. I don't know what my favorite color is, probably red. Why is red your favorite color? Because it's outrageous. It denotes danger and courage and strength and an unwillingness to be put down. Sounds like you. Yeah, and I think back, as I said that, I think back to childhood where I was put down all the time simply because I was a girl, and there was nothing I could do about it, but I didn't know that. I didn't know that was the reason, so I always thought there was something wrong with me. And I, I fought back, and this, this urge not to be put down was then deemed as I was out of control. It was non-acceptable. And my sister tells me that I would do things like elaborate on stories, and she would say, you know, just tell me the truth, just tell me the nutshell of it, don't carry on. But I had to elaborate everything because I felt nothing. I felt I was nothing. And my mother used to say, stop crying wolves, stop making scenes. I wasn't making scenes. I was simply wanting to be heard. So that, in a nutshell, gives you um, the sense of what my, probably my, my urge was from the youngest time. And simply by being a woman, by being female, I was not registered within the family as being worth anything. Can you describe the high society life that you grew up in in New York? What was it like? Well, I never thought that we were high society because my father died when I was so young. And I remember it was much more the, the theatrical and the book world. I mean, the Noel Coward was around and there were actors around. And my sister was involved in the theater, but my sister, older half-sister, Bucky. It was literary. It was a world of glamour more than society. So this whole society thing was something else. But I was trained to be subservient, to be to men, to be charming. And I didn't live with my mother and father very often. I mean, I was mostly lived with nurses and governesses and mademoiselles and the maids and aunts and uncles. And, and then I was sent away to school when I was 12. And, 
they had this whole other life that was just between the two of them. And how did that affect you growing up and having your parents essentially be absent? It always made me feel abandoned. You know, there was something wrong with me that they didn't want me. You know, even when I was a child, I was molested by a friend of the family, which is now I found out is, you know, not unusual. That was another thing that put me down was because I thought this man loved me. And he would bring me chocolate from the base. He was a naval pilot. He would bring me a locket with his picture in it. And how, uh, how old were you and how old was I was he? nine. He was married, had kids. And then when I finally told somebody, and he threatened to kill me if I told anybody. And those words lasted almost my full lifetime. I think I finally, by the age of 60, I walked into a coffee shop, and there were guys there. And it was the first time I wasn't terrified. I walked up and ordered coffee and a bagel, and the saliva did not dry up in my mouth. So, yeah, that's a long, long time. What was the most healing part for you to get through that abuse? Um, Time, therapies, allowing myself to be sad at the age of 45 and crying and for the little girl who got disappointed that the guy didn't truly love me. He just was using me to satisfy his needs for that moment for him without regard. That was such a disappointment. Yeah. And everybody has boulders they have to climb over in their life. And I don't know my, whether mine are less than, more than, or there's any point in comparing them. I don't think so. It took me to midlife and beyond to really understand fully that I was responsible for myself and I had to do it on my own. And once you learn that lesson, once I learned that lesson for me, and I don't know how it works for anybody else, it was freeing. I could work. I could do what I wanted to do, and the failures that were there were fine because I was cognizant of what I was doing and why I was doing it, and I wasn't doing it in reaction to something from childhood. There isn't the knight in shining armor who's coming galloping up and going to carry you away and make life beautiful. See, you know, all the fantasies we're given as kids are detrimental. They're not a help. Uh, Yes, there are people who help you along the way. Yes, there are people who set problems and show you ways to solve them. That's the kindest thing they can do. What do you feel like it takes to be your own hero, your own knight in shining armor? It takes, first of all, time and a willingness to be open and to to recognize your powers and your vulnerabilities and check both of them off to being a plus. It's like saying, all right, I'm, I know I'm generous, but on the other hand, there was a good deal of time where I would go across town and buy carrots at two cents less per packet or five cents less per packet because there was a miserliness about me. <laughs> There's always a flip side to everything positive or everything negative. 
I think I learned that from an alcoholic counselor when I was sobering up, who said, you know, line up your pluses on a piece of paper and your minuses, and once you do that, you kind of see, oh my goodness. (laughs) And it's an oh my goodness in a detrimental way, and it's an... It is, it's positive, it's very, it's very enlightening to know that if you have a temper, which I do, I also have a generosity of spirit. I did spend probably three or four years working very hard on myself of trying to see what I was doing. That was very enlightening and it has been a source of power and energy ever since. I'm thinking about your paintings and how it seems like color is this great metaphor for your life because your paintings are so full of energy, very colorful, very bold. It's yes. not all held inside anymore. It's no, out there. No, it's out there. You know, painting gave me a voice. I had a show at the university museum. I think that was probably my most gratifying moment And once I started painting and really started painting what I felt, whether it was in reaction to the landscape or it was painting about women being enclosed in boundaries and women breaking boundaries, I didn't care what anybody else thought. What I needed to do was break boundaries and that gave gave me permission. Why do you think it's so important for us to give ourselves that permission, especially as women? That's a hard question because really we're not given permission to be. There are still all the same. Mm, Underneath there are the same vibrations of women should stay within the house and not be involved in the world outside and certainly not be confrontive about anything. I think that's so stultifying, and I think it's not what our natures are. I don't want to be there, and one of the reasons I wrote the book, too, was so that there are young women out there who have perhaps gone through being abused or being alcoholic or being drug addicts or whatever. I was hoping that the book in some way would give young women a sense of they could they too could do what I have done, which is climb the ladder out of the hole and go out and hit a home run. Can you tell us the name of your book? North of Crazy. My book is North of Crazy and that is a little bit because I have a cabin on the little north fork of Crazy Woman Creek and a little bit just because I don't fit into any particular category. What has been the biggest surprise coming out of either writing the book or publishing the book for you that you weren't expecting? The impassioned response that I've got from people, mostly when people come up and say, you know, I had something like that happen to me and you wrote about it so well, it has given me the chance to be open about it. And I've had a number of people say that to me, women. And that's 
That's the sweetest thing that's happened. That's what I hope for, but, you know. Wondering if you can paint us a picture of who Nelgi is now. Oh. Um, I'm a kind woman. I'm a strong woman. I, uh, I live in Wyoming on a ranch, same ranch I moved to 50 years ago. My kids and grandkids are scattered. They mostly live in New York. But they live very close to me and my heart. I look on the Bighorn Mountains with awe and delight on a daily basis. I'm an abstract expressionist painter. Galleries don't like me because I don't paint deer in a stream or elk in mountains. They're my way of speaking. They were my way of speaking. I speak out much more now. <laughs> I could put down my anxiety, my delight, my high level of energy, my wonder, my rage, my tenderness, my the whole thing I could put in a painting. And the fact that I will still work in that size canvas at my age is, is insane, you know? Yeah, and for those people that haven't seen your canvases, can you describe just what it looks like, the size of it? The Well, what I'm talking about is the 10-foot high by 30-foot long canvases. To be painting something of that size at 82 years old is a certain insanity because it takes a great deal of physical stamina to do that. And I'm used to doing them in a very short period of time because I work so in such a determined way. And I've never been a painter that could work from my elbow to my fingertips. I work with my whole body. It is far more like a dance and it's far more like a, a dance with a machine that is my body going at a full tilt, you know. And dancing back and forth, 30 feet, back and forth, back and forth, that's long, that's hard. And it is just their voices calling. What's going through your mind when you're working on a painting? Usually it gets to be working with the paint. The paint demands, the colors demand. You put up an area of pale blue and it needs something that is warm next to it because it's a cold color for me. And then it needs something that's in between and then it needs something that's really hot and then it needs... So all this kind of palaver goes on in your mind. But then there's something that comes up from your belly and there's a line that goes up, way up. And then I take a brush and fill it with paint and I'll slap it on the canvas. And that slap is not a mean slap. What it is, is can often be, is that the, because the drops shoot, you can see some way up behind you, they can shoot straight up and off the canvas and onto the ceiling. It's a joy. I couldn't paint that each drop. So I'm here to express in the abstract, what I feel 
about whatever the moment is that I'm painting in. I would say I'm a painter of the moment. I think we all are painters of the moment. We are creators of the moment. I think there are others who are historically inventive, but that's not this rose. Are there any moments you feel like you've left untouched? Oh, yeah. The hardest one for me is calm. Because the second I lay down the colors of calm, as you've seen them in in the studio, part of me wants to energize them with strokes, 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 strokes. And I don't know where that comes from, but it's a real physical need. It's like, I am driven. What would you want to say to your audience about what your paintings are about as an abstract expressionist painter? I would say nothing. I would just say, be comfortable with it, if you can be. So there's not any one thing to understand about it. It's not about a deer in the meadow. It's not about my childhood. It's not about anything in particular. If you get the sensation of joy in that painting, that's terrific. I had a sense of joy in this, and I can see the joy in it. I can see the electricity. I can see the delicacy in places. I can see the the chaos, confusion, the and the patterns. I can see all that, but you might not see that. You might see something totally different, and that's okay too. That's just as valid as the way I painted it. I'm thinking of your painting, the one that just says yes. I can't remember mm-hmm. if that was an early painting or recent. That was a painting about, about when I could fold down the commercial side of me of working at the Sheridan Inn and I still was working at the Sheridan Inn when I did that, and be a painter. Saying yes to being a painter. Yeah, Yeah. that's what that's about. Do you feel like that was a watershed moment for you? Absolutely. I kept wanting to get out of working at the Inn and wanting to find a home for the Inn. I had put my heart and my soul in working at the Inn. I became strong working at the end. I don't want to live in a powder puff world. I don't want my biggest interest to be whether I'm going to have soup or a bologna sandwich for lunch. You got bigger fish to fry. I just think it's more interesting. There are things to be done. And in every area, no matter where you live, there are things to be done whether you're making a park in the city or whether you're trying to help education in a small town in Wyoming. Life is a journey. I was never told that. It was, you know, you graduate from one grade one, you go to grade two, and there was never this, you can do with whatever you want. There was never any support as a child, so I created my own support system. So now I live with my friends down the valley who work with me on different things, and I have a family here. I paint the moment, 
I think the moment. <laughs> I feel the moment. I don't know what's going to happen when I get out of bed in the morning. It's fractional. You have this second and then boom, it's gone. The wind comes up and your hat flies off. You drop your glass of champagne. You know, there's just a moment. That was the artist, Nelji, recorded from her ranch in Banner, Wyoming. To see Nelji's work, visit nelji.com. That's N-E-L-T-J-E dot com. Her memoir, North of Crazy, is available at most Wyoming bookstores and on amazon.com. And if you're in Sheridan, be sure to stop by the historic Sheridan Inn because it wouldn't be there without Nelji. Lastly, Nelji has an artist residency program on her ranch in the Bighorns, which you can apply for at gentelarts.org. That's J-E-N-T-E-L arts.org. This project is supported in part by the Wyoming Humanities Council and the Equipoise Fund. Momentum is our nonprofit fiscal sponsor. To sponsor a profile or make a tax-deductible contribution, go to our website at womeninwyoming.com or email us at support at womeninwyoming.com. And if you like what you hear, listen and subscribe on our website, where you'll see Nelgie's full profile and portraits, as well as more stories about how Wyoming women are shaping the West. We're also on Instagram at Women in Wyo. I'm Lindsay Linton Buck, and you've been listening to Women in Wyoming. Mm-hmm.